This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We'll recap UFC on ESPN 24, Rodriguez versus Watterson, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC 262, Oliveira versus Chandler. Here we go. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We have a pay-per-view this week to preview, UFC 262. Um, before we do, and before we preview or recap our uh, last week's card, we'll start as we always do with our takes of the week. So as usual, Ryan, start us off with our take of the week. All right, so my take of the week this week, I got Zhang Weili will never be champion again. Whoa. Um, I just I just read this ridiculous interview she did, and um, she's just shook. Uh, so basically, let me pull it up here. I'll read some. Basically, she said the Florida Boo Birds got in her head. She said that... Uh, I did see that. Yeah, it's an MMA Mania article. Um, let's see. Let me read her exact quote here real quick. Um she basically says, last fight with Joanna, even though she trained in America, she is an American, she explained, so we were quite equal, and neither of us got any booze. But this time, because Rose is from America, and Florida is a bit like that. So when I showed up to the in the event, wow, the booze were really loud, and it's my first time experiencing this situation, and I didn't expect it to be so serious. Um, it's like you're in a fight for a title fight you don't expect it to be so serious what are, what are you thinking <laughs> and and get this against a fan that, favorite yeah against a fan favorite you're in america the fans are gonna go crazy i think the last fight wasn't was the Joanna fight in china maybe no i was there bro oh yeah it was in las vegas i think her fight before that was in china maybe but um yeah i mean basically and get this this is the craziest part Zhang Weili apparently has shaved her head. No, I saw so that. So she just, uh, yeah, that's insane. She's just copying Rose, just taking her, <laughs> taking her style. She got beat by her, and now she's shaving her head. I think she's, she's completely shook. Rose is in her head big time. She didn't like the uh, better dead than red uh, comments, and uh, I mean, it's gonna take, uh, take a lot for her to come back. And I don't, I don't think uh, she, I don't think she has the, uh, the mental toughness to, to do it because. After all this stuff she's talking about, I mean, the boos are only going to get louder from here Absolutely. on out. Absolutely. Uh, so she's uh, she can't handle that. She's probably not going to be ab- able to handle it next time. Yeah, I always get weirded out or surprised by people that can't stand the booing. First of all, boos, they might not be better than cheers, but they're better than nothing. That's a reaction. Right. Like you're Okay, also Las Vegas fans are going to be way different than Florida fans. Las Vegas fans are from all around the world. They're not going to be as partial they're going to be a little more it's a little more of an experienced fight culture florida is a whole different world florida's barely even the united states it's like its own country rose is a fan favorite there was a little bit of friction coming into this fight there's so many factors like who i don't know you're 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 a cage fighter you're gonna have to accept some booze but yeah, I, I think you're right, though. Um, first big loss. You're right, though. She won her title against Jessica Andrade in China. And it was basically 
spoon-fed to her because Jessica Andrade didn't even fight back. She looked relieved to lose the belt and hand it over. And uh, so I think you're right. This was her first adversity, and she folded pretty bad. And, yeah, I saw part of that article, and I saw she had cut her hair. So I was just like, man, this is – she might be – we've seen fighters take their first loss and kind of go off the deep end for a while. Some don't come back. Yeah, and uh, who knows? China they China might release another virus to uh, to make it so we can't get any fans in the arena since Wei Li can't take the booze, um, so she can retain she can get her title back. If that happens, then I I, I take my take back. But uh, extra if, extra unless, hot take. Yeah, but uh, um, if as long as uh, China doesn't release another pandemic onto the world, I don't I don't think she's got a shot. Please don't. Please don't. Um, yeah, that's conspiracy level take there, but I definitely think you're onto something with the first part. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> not the second part. I'm just actually just hoping not. I'm not saying it's not, <laughs> I'm not saying that they're beyond it, but, um, we better be careful with what we say. Uh, anyways, anyways, I definitely think that's a good one. You're definitely onto something. I saw that article or I didn't see the article. I saw parts of that article and I was like, wow, she's not taking this well. Also, she complained about the stoppage, which she was clearly out. Yeah. Yeah. And she's still, she, she kind of admitted it in the article that it was, it was a good stoppage. Like it was the right stoppage, but kind of not too. She still seems kind of salty about it. She's like, I just couldn't accept it, but she never said, she never came out and said it was a good stoppage either. So yeah. she, uh, she kind of like admitted it, but then again, not, not so much. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. She's definitely still one of the top in that division, which is, it's a, it's a good division from about five up to, up to champion. Um, it just seems like Rose is by far the best striker, and as long as, as long as she can hit tag girls early, she can get a lead, and not get put away. I mean, we thought we thought we didn't know Whaley would get put away, and maybe, maybe her war with Yolanda had took a toll on her chin. Whatever. Maybe this is the first time she's really gotten cracked. But um, we'll see what happens. I don't even know who who Whaley's going to fight next. To be honest, so she might take a long break. She doesn't fight that often. She's got a lot. Of tr- I mean, she's got a. Cu- go home train and then get back over here. So I don't know. We'll see what, it, we'll see what happens, but I don't think you're far off with your takes there. Um, anyhow, we'll move on to my take of the week. Um, my take of the week. I don't know if it's really a hot take or not, but, um, you can't really brag about being the guy who answers the phone every time they call. If you're not going to train, you're not going to show up time to call it like it is. Cowboy Cerrone is literally just collecting checks uh, he's got this reputation that he is the badass that will show up and fight on, on a moment's notice. But what good is that when you show up and lay an egg every single time? He's, what, on a five-fight losing streak? Um, give him credit that some of those fights were at the t- uh, the better competition. But even even his biggest fight against, against uh, Conor McGregor, he basically didn't show up. He admitted himself he didn't show up. Some of the other fights, it just seems like – I mean, is, is he just cashing checks at this point, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of cashing checks. I mean, I still think he, uh, he I think he loves to fight and he's not ready to give it up, but it's it's 100% time to give it up, and uh, he's yeah. got to realize that. And hopefully his next fight's his last fight. Dana came out and said a few hours ago, I saw some article um, saying that uh, – they're giving him one more fight if he doesn't. Oh, win. really? I don't think they're. I don't think he's getting another one. So he's getting one more fight at 155, and Dana said it's a must-win. So, yeah, because that's my thing. He, 
he's never been a great fighter at 170. It's just convenient. And I I mean, he got he got absolutely butchered by Alex Morono over the weekend and I there's like no fight back in him and it's just it's just a weird thing to me when they talk about they'll fight anyone, anyone, any place, any time, but then they basically just show up and they're a punching bag. To me, that's, I don't know, it's at a certain point, when it's your 37th fight or whatever, it's not really the guy you want to be. Um, I guess what I would say is I would lean, I didn't want to come out and say he should retire because I think that's pretty much what everyone thinks and agrees with, but um, at this point, I just don't see why they trot him out other than he's a fan favorite. But at some point, you got to pull the plug on this because... It's just a shell out there. Yeah, huge shell. And I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you got to stop Donald or Cerrone from getting in his rhythm and stuff. But on Saturday night, it didn't look like there was any rhythm to get into. Like he, he did his nothing. Punches looked, his punches looked, he looked like he had pillow hands. Um, he, I, he just looked off and incredibly off. And it didn't look like he, it was just an off night. It looked like he's, he's just off for good basically it looks like uh you know those 37 fights have definitely added up and taken their toll and uh, he's not the same fighter he was before i mean when he's throwing punches it just doesn't look right he still can throw some decent he still can snap some kicks but as far as his hands they're just they're just not anything close to what they used to be um no head movement yeah i don't think it's a 170 thing either i think it's just uh he's seen better days thing and there's always you know we've seen time and time again eventually a fighter just doesn't have it anymore and and it's time to call it quits and it sounds like uh his next fight if uh you know he's not gonna if he loses it he's not gonna have a choice whether he gets another one or not but uh, at least i hope so because i mean he's alex morono he's not a bad fighter he's actually looked pretty good in his last few fights but yeah let's be honest he's not not a world beater he's not championship material but He's he's solid, but he's a guy that that Cerrone should beat if he was, you know, the Cerrone that everyone, you know, knows and used who he used to be. But uh, yeah, I think if uh, if he doesn't, you know, really show up in his next fight, and uh, yeah, I think it's time to uh, time to put him to pasture. Yeah, and that's with all due respect to the legend Cowboy Cerrone, but um, when you're taking these type of beatings, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. The best he ever looked, I thought was against Ally Aquinta. That was only two years ago. That wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? That he had that run yeah. where he got himself back into the, back into the runnings. He got himself all the way up to a fight with Tony Ferguson, where he looked okay in that first round. He got absolutely slaughtered and sliced up in the second round. And actually a late punch is what ended that fight. Um, it could have easily been a DQ win for Cowboy if, uh, if they wanted it to be, but that was only two two years ago, so it's not like he was his best. Some of his best days were that long ago. It's just, I, it's. I think there's more factors. I think there's motivation factors. I think there's, I don't know. I just obviously, he also had the curse of this is the best he's ever looked. From his coaches saying this is the best he's ever looked, or whoever saying this is the best he's ever felt, or whatever. <laughs> that curse always seems to strike at the worst times. But um, yeah, I mean. I've heard I've heard a million people say he needs to retire, he's too old, whatever. But I don't know. There might there may be more factors than just that. We've seen guys bounce back. We've seen him bounce back from looking like shit to kind of bouncing back and looking good and going on a little win streak and looking like maybe he's gonna make it up to to the top five, whatever. But man, he has uh, taken some bad losses his last five. So yeah, and unfortunately, it just seems like he's uh, starting to look like shit more often than not. Yeah, so, that's my you point. You know when it. When it's sporadic, 
then that's one thing. But uh, yeah, when it's uh, when it's more often than not, then you're you're looking to where and, and especially with Cerrone, he just gets when he loses, he loses. He gets his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You that. you've been saying so. that for years, and that's a hundred percent spot on. But that's my my thing is just if you're gonna be the guy that if your thing is I answer the phone, I come fight every time they call me, but you're just a shell. I mean, you're just a punching bag. It's kind of like that kind of loses its luster to me. If you're a guy who shows up on short notice and makes things happen, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, we don't have to spend too much time on that because we'll have a little more Cowboy Cerrone talk in our recap, which we're going to move on to right now. Um, So we didn't our, – our UFC on ESPN, what was it, 24? Lost our main event, Dillashaw versus Sanhagen, which was going to be an absolute banger. Super pumped for that fight. Didn't get it. Instead, we got Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Waterson. Not exactly main event material. Turned out to be an okay fight. Pretty good fight. Um, learned a lot about Marina Rodriguez, who we didn't know that much about. There's kind of like two sides to it. She looked really good at times. Sometimes she looked, I don't know, a little wobbly maybe. I don't know what it was. But um, I would say she's definitely top top five material uh i gotta give michelle waterson some credit i don't really like her as a fighter i don't really like her style at all like i think those kicks are kind of like i don't know most of them wouldn't hurt a fly but then she landed one that looked like it really staggered marina rodriguez so i had to kind of take that thought back but um marina rodriguez won she lasted all five rounds she looked a little gas in the middle rounds but she made it through pretty decent so um what did you think of her performance? What do you think is uh, next for her? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good performance, not great. Um, I've seen, we, you know, we've seen her look a, a hell of a lot better. I've always been real high on Marina yep. Rodriguez. I think she's a, a real solid prospect. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Michelle Waterson's a good matchup for her. Um, she was able to stop the wrestling for the most part, which was good to see. I mean. Michelle Watterson, she likes to go to those takedowns. She's not the strongest wrestler, but she she's gonna she's gonna shoot quite a bit. So mm-hmm. um, it was good to see her be able to stop those, and it's good to get that experience when she does face another high re- uh, level wrestler. Eventually, um, that all that experience will help a lot. Um, but um, Marina Rodriguez, I don't think she looked as good as she could have in this fight. But I mean, it was uh, pretty much no training camp. It was a short short notice. That's true too. Pretty, yeah, so I, I kind of give her the benefit of the doubt on that. When I was kind of watching it, I'm like, man, she just she's not looking like I remember her looking, but, you know, she didn't have those rounds in the gym. So uh, we'll give her a little bit of a break on that. But, you know, coming off the off the couch, basically, and uh, being able to go five rounds um, with Michelle Watterson, that's, that's no easy feat. So, yeah, I, I thought she looked good. Like I said, I think she'll look a lot better in her next fight with, uh, with the full camp. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's she's dangerous. She's someone that we we could see in a title fight eventually. Um, I don't know if she'll win, but uh, she's definitely got the uh, the makings of of going on a champion run championship run here. Yeah, and she has the power too, which is one thing that is a factor in that, especially in that division. So she definitely has power, which is somewhat rare. So be uh, be interesting to see where she can take it to. Um. Our next fight we had, uh, we talked about it a little bit, Donald Cerrone versus Alex Morono. Somehow, some way, we both forgot about this last week. We didn't even preview this fight. I don't know who I would have picked. I think I would have picked 
Cowboy Cerrone. I felt like this was almost handpicked for him. He was supposed to fight Diego Sanchez. He was obviously going to beat the life out of Diego Sanchez. Almost a little bit of karma in there. If you're willing to beat up Diego Sanchez at this point, you kind of deserve to get beat up. Uh, Alex Morono came in on short notice, super short notice, and uh, brought the heat, um, finished him. What Did it even go? Did it first round, second round, whatever, early in the fight? Um, Cowboy never got going. Alex Morono came out hot, literally sprinted across the octagon, and uh, just looked like Cowboy was there just to be there, and uh, Morono felt like he had something to prove. Yeah, to go touch on what you first said. So I don't know if this fight was fully confirmed when when we yeah did, must we not recorded. have been so it wasn't on best fight odds so that that's the main reason we didn't put it on there it wasn't on best fight odds and the UFC website and Google didn't have uh, an official lineup listed yet there was only one fight on both of them so um, that's why yeah, we missed little... it but yeah so Alex Moreno I thought he looked good though um, his striking he looked pretty good um, you know he. He is a jiu-jitsu guy, but he looks pretty, you know, pretty good on the feet, and it seems like that's really where he likes to be. Uh, I mean, I don't really blame him. Donald Cerrone, he doesn't go to the ground as much, but when he does, he finishes fights. So I, I really wouldn't want to test it there, especially when you're you're doing so well. Um, Alex Morono is able to do what a lot of people that beat Donald Cerrone does, just back him up. Um, and uh, when Donald Cerrone's backing up, he's he gets hit quite a lot. So it seems like, you know, if you put the pressure on him and you're able to get him moving backwards, then you're able to, you're able to land on him and, and he gets rocked easily these days too. I mean, he was, uh, he got stunned more than once. Um, you know, knees buckled a little bit more than once. And, uh, Alex Morono was able to get him out of there with, uh, not too much time left in, in the fight. I think about 20 seconds. Um, Maybe a slightly early stoppage, I was thinking, but um, I don't think Donald Cerrone would have went any better for him if the if the fight kept going though. So yeah, and you are you, it's been a while, but you're the you're the king of letting the fight go a little bit longer. You're always calling yeah. for it go a little longer. Yeah, I I think With he was twenty just, seconds left too. Like he was staggered a couple Cerrone, times. Yeah, that that's true, and Donald Cerrone didn't really complain about it, so no. I guess maybe it wasn't too late. So. Yeah, he just doesn't move his head or anything. He's just he's just out there to be a punching bag and it's uh it's kind of been apparent he's on a five fight losing streak. I guess the one with Nico Price was a no contest. Wasn't that a draw too? I don't know. Whatever. He's uh definitely in the in the backside of his career and um you don't wanna let these losing streaks go on too long and BJ Penn your own record. Uh so anyhow we got the Neil, the Neil on Neil action. Jeff Neil versus Neil Magny here. Um, Neil Magny won this fight by decision, as Neil Magny often and always does. Neil Magny is your guy. I think you've uh, you've been riding him for a long time, and with good value too, because he's almost always an underdog. I think maybe the blueprint on Jeff Neil is out on how to beat him. You just uh, he just doesn't throw enough volume. He hits hard, but he doesn't throw enough volume. If you can survive a couple solid straight lefts that you're more than likely going to take, as long as you give more back, you're going to be able to beat this guy unless he changes up his game plan. Yeah, Neil Magny, he's like kind of like Jeff Neal's kryptonite almost. Like he's able to just smother Jeff Neal and land volume uh, in the striking department. So, I mean, Neil Magny, that's how, that's how he wins fights. He just pushes a pace on these guys. He gets on top of them. He takes them down. He clinches them against the cage, and he wears them out. That's what he is able to do against Jeff Neal. 
Um, yeah, and he's he's good betting value. I mean, he wins a lot of these fights out there. He's an underdog or he's an underdog or a slight favorite at most most of the time. He's very rarely like above minus one fifty. So yeah, you can you can make money on Neil Magny. I mean, there are matchups where it's not great. But coming off a loss to Kiesa, I thought, uh, you know, Magny was going to want to get back in the win column here, and he did, and uh, he looked pretty good doing it. He's never, he never has the most exciting fights. No. Almost always five or three round decisions, five round decision if it's fighting the main event. But um, but he gets the job done, and he, and he wins fights. So. Yeah, and the only the only outlier to that was when he got absolutely mauled by Kiesa in his last fight. But Jeff Neal was coming off a fight where he got absolutely dominated by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So, um. One side note, Jeff Neal put out after the fight. I don't know if you remember when he he had uh, some sort of infection and he actually yeah, ended up with he had sepsis. Like sepsis or something. Yeah, and uh, he said he has not felt right since then, so he just needed to fight because he needed to make money. And uh, he said he's going to get himself right. Not saying it's an excuse, not saying it's not true, just saying it, that's what he put out after the fight. I Like you said, I think that Neil Magny is kind of Jeff Neal's type of kryptonite. And uh, it showed here. So um, we'll see what we get out of Jeff Neal. Definitely a guy that's fun to watch and has some uh, some highlight reel material. So um, I think he'll be back, though. Next fight was a wild one here. Diego Ferreira versus Gregor Gillespie. I think we were both on Ferreira here. And, uh, oh, yeah, you said Ferreira by sub, which I was, I was on. I took a flyer on that as well. It actually looked like we were going to get it there in the end of the first round. And then it really looked like we were in good shape. However, uh, Gregor Gillespie might have gotten the greatest second wind I've ever seen anyone get before and uh, ended up gassing out Ferrer and putting him away. First fight for Gregor Gillespie in like two years. Um, he was the favorite, I believe. And uh, I'd say, I wouldn't say he looked great. He almost got finished in the first round, but he fin- definitely finished great. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I mean, Fiera looked good. Uh, it's just that he gassed. And, I mean, Gregor gassed, but Diego, he wasn't able to recover when he gassed. I mean, he pretty much gave up in there. He just uh, he just let uh, let Gregor get on top of him. He gave took up. Took his back, kinda, and then just, yeah, he just gave up. He just laid there. That was a fun fight, though, it. while it lasted. You knew yeah, that pace wasn't going to last. Was, yeah, first round was nonstop action. Um just uh and Diego Ferrer looked good in that first round. I was feeling pretty confident I going loved into it. the second. And uh unfortunately the the tide turned and uh uh Gregor Gillespie was able to fight through the uh you know, getting tired and uh Diego Fiera was not. Um so yeah, I mean Gregor Gillespie more proud to him, that was a great fight for him. Um and, but yeah, I think it was still good value betting on uh Fiera in that in that uh in that situation even by sub because um, it was like plus sub was like plus 600 he had him flattened out he was fighting for that that rear naked choke yeah and he had the neck too yeah like, at like almost had it like he was and then it'd pop out and then he got another one in almost and then yeah it was it was really really close um you know a little bit longer and if the first round went a little bit longer he might have got the finish there so um, yeah, it wasn't too bad of uh, a value there. I mean, we're not going to win everyone, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, especially we've, we've not props doing, like that. We've been winning most of them. Yeah. One last thing. I think Fiera missed weight by like five pounds. I don't know if yeah, that means he think, didn't try to cut or he just botched it, but that could play a role in your cardio, um, depending on which which path it was. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that uh, 
I think that's definitely why he, he gassed and couldn't recover in the second round. You know, usually when you come in heavy, um, you know, especially, I mean, if you quit early, he might've just been really heavy then and not even quit early. Cause, uh, a lot of times those guys that take it down to the last minute trying to make weight, they, they, te- they seem to gas, uh, yep. kind of early and gas pretty hard and not really be able to, to do much after that. So, and that's what it looked like happened to, uh, to Diego there. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a good fighter, and uh, but Gregor, he, it was his night, so. Yeah, and I'd be, I'll be surprised to see what, or interested to see what Gregor does next. Not a guy that fights a whole lot. Probably doesn't even really like fighting that much. I don't know. Um, he basically said he took the fight, even though Fiera missed weight by five pounds because he just had to take a fight. It had been so long since he fought. And he, I'm sure he's happy he did. He got 30% of Diego's purse. He got a 50K bonus, and he got his show and win bonus. So great night for Gregor Gillespie coming off of uh, – it's been a long time, but coming off of a devastating knockout when Kevin Lee caught him with that high kick. So um, we'll see where he ends up next. Just uh, not the most active fighter, but uh, definitely a machine when he's in there. Yep. And possibly the best fisherman, according to him, the best fisherman in the uh, UFC so yeah in mma yeah so he's got that going for him um kyle Dawkins, phil hawes this was an interesting fight here um phil hawes ended up winning this fight by decision um i would say uh phil hawes he's just a fighter where he looks good and then he looks terrible and then he looks good again you just don't know what you're gonna get um i would say same thing out of kyle Dawkins. so I don't know. I don't. We we got this pick right. We picked Phil Hawes and he won the fight. But um, I don't really know how to what you take away from this other than I don't think Phil Hawes. I think maybe some of the some of the hype on his name has been uh, kind of dampered by his last two performances. That he even though he won them, if you remember his last fight, he was he was out for the last minute of the fight. Just hung on for dear life. Should have been finished. And then this fight, it was kind of a back and forth, um, but he ended up finishing getting the win. A good win. Kyle Dawkins is good. I think Kyle Dawkins is just a guy that's hard. He's hard to win and look good against, but uh, Phil Hall still got it done. So I don't know what you thought about this fight. It was just a kind of a uh, kind of a, a grimy one. Yeah, it was grimy and. Uh... Phil Hawes, I think he showed some heart in there and uh, and and put on a good performance overall. But you're right, he's really in, he's another guy. I think we talked last week about people that are inconsistent and in between rounds even. And and it seems like Phil Hawes is even inconsistent within a single round. Like yeah. he'll be he'll be doing really well and then he'll kind of just take it off for a little bit or or who I don't know, really know what his problem is. But um, he he did look good at parts um like. But also, uh, Doc has looked good at parts. But uh, Phil was able to to pull through. Um, honestly, I thought it was over in the beginning of the second round to get rocked that that bad that early in in a round and uh, be able to recover that quickly and then I think win the round possibly. Um, that that's that's not easy to do. So that was uh, that was something good to see out of him that he can uh, he can take a huge punch like that and then. Uh, recover that quickly and uh and win the fight because it looked like he was out on his feet for a second yeah. and then all of a sudden he was clinched up and he was actually able to reverse uh control against the cage uh within like five ten seconds of, of being completely rocked so i thought that was uh good to see from phil hawes 
Kyle Dawkins, you know, he just showed he just, you know, when you get kept by your brother your whole life, you just uh, you just don't have what it takes to grit out a win. Like you got to be your own man at some point. Like you yeah, got to be, gotta your, be your, own your own man. You got to fucking cut that tattoo off your brother's chest if you ever want to uh, make a run in the UFC, in my opinion. And get out of his uh, shadow. But, you know, next time, next time your uh, big bro is blacked out drunk, you better just take a uh, a tattoo gun and just fucking put a big square over that. Black it and, out. Uh, yeah, back it, black it up, and uh, yeah, or just like cross out my brother's keeper and put like uh, Kyle is the beekeeper. beekeeper or something. The beekeeper. beekeeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to do something because uh, you're just not gonna. You're gonna lose fights like this with that when that tattoo's on your brother. So. Yeah, you got to be your own man, especially when your brother's in your corner. Um, you're we're missing the X factor here though. The main X factor that we're the only ones who've been pointed out, and we've been it. Phil Hawes bleached his hair. Bleach-haired fighters do not lose. Yeah, I was, I was, I was gonna say something, but then I thought maybe you had it for your isn't he awesome or something. So I was just uh, well, it's in there <laughs> somewhere. It. Don't worry, it's in there somewhere, but it's not, it's not for that. But yeah, bleach hair fighters they don't lose. I'm tired of saying it. I'm tired of telling everybody. Ever since Figueroa won the belt, bleach hair fighters have not. Male fighters have not lost. Can't can't say that for female fighters. I don't know. You get harder to tell, but bleach hair male fighters, no matter how poor of a bleach job it is, they uh, they get the you win. So that's the X factor, and uh, that uh, that that lives on. So keep keep that in mind because it's been a it's been a very profitable tool for us. So hey, well before we move on, one second. When it's Chris Dawkins, right? Is his older brother? Yes. When he got the tattoo, do you think you told Kyle beforehand or you think he just came home and, and took his shirt off and showed uh, Kyle the tat? Or how do you think that went down? And you know what? They're close enough in age that he was probably also a full-grown adult when his brother got the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. May, oh, they train together. They corner each other. Everything is together. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or... Kyle Dawkins needs to get a tattoo that says my brother's keeper as well. Yeah. So then it's just at least like, then it's yeah, at least then it's a mutual it's a mutual, mutual keeping. But yeah. Chris is way bigger. So Chris is probably like the alpha of the of the brothers. Or just get like a a tattoo of uh of Chris's face in a birdcage or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, another thing that no one's ever pointed out like I don't think we've ever had a, a brother's keeper and a brother fighting. It's kind of a uh, it's kind of a weird relationship, but I guess it works for them or it doesn't work. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it's time for Kyle to be his own man. I don't know. But like you said, can't bet on a brother who's capped. You got to bet uh, bet the other guy, and that was uh, matching up with a bleach haired fighter is just two two wrongs not making a right for the Dawkins bros, but. Um, anything else from that card you want to point out? No, I don't think so. No, there were some good fights on the prelims. Nothing, nothing super notable. I mean, there was a few, there was a few good fights. There was an anaconda choke. You don't see a ton of those. Those are nice, but otherwise, you know, it was a, it was a middle of the pack card kind of, they kind of like to, uh, throw those around right before a big pay-per-view and, uh, it, uh, I thought it, well, all things considered, it went pretty smooth. It would have been an awesome card if we could have gotten, uh, Dillashaw versus Sandhagen, and obviously just a huge buzzkill that we lost that. So, um, kind of a salvage, kind of a salvage job. But 
whatever it worked and uh we'll move on to our uh our segments and then our preview of ufc 262 so we'll start with our isn't he awesome um i think it is your turn this week if i'm not mistaken yeah it is um my isn't he awesome this week it's a little bit of a somber isn't he awesome but i'm going with our guy the nightmare diego sanchez um and uh we got a few reasons here um he is no longer fighting in the ufc um and it's kind of weird. He was supposed to fight Cowboy, but um, apparently they, uh, I guess they saw some irregularities in his brain scan or something. And he wasn't willing to say that he's not suffering from from uh, uh, mental issues or brain issues or something. He yeah. wasn't able, he wasn't he wasn't willing to sign a piece of paper that said he's not suffering from any uh, any mental like brain issues or something like that. So. Um, that's kind of weird, and also his coach is beating the shit out of him, hanging upside down. Um, <laughs> did you see that video? I did see that video. I did. That, that guy is finally being like fully exposed. But what a batshit crazy bonkers dude! Um, that's just a guy you just love to see. It's like I love to see somebody ma- m- like set up a cage match with him. How does I mean Diego's just a weird, 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 weird. Can't say it enough. Weird guy. But man, how do you end up in a cult of this caliber where the guy clearly knows nothing? He's clearly clearly knows clearly knows nothing. Well, he told. I think we've already answered our question. He wasn't willing to sign the piece <laughs> of paper that said he doesn't have CTE because, and then that's probably the reason why that he's been brainwashed by by this dude. Unfortunately, yeah. he this dude Josh Fabia told the Nevada State Commission that Diego was going to kill Michael Chiesa with an inverted Stone Cold Stunner <laughs> with a serious face. Yeah, and they, uh, they, I think they said that they should warn Michael Chiesa about it or something. Yeah. And the commission actually did, I believe. Um, <laughs> so I guess they were taking him seriously. But Yeah, what kind of fantasy land stuff is that? And then did you see where he kind of like barged into a uh, – it was a fighter meeting between Diego and like uh, Paul Felder and like Megan O'Leary and I don't know who else was in it, but uh, it was basically Josh Fabia, whatever Diego's coach, barged in and said like that he didn't like how the broadcast was talking bad about him. It's basically all about him to get publicity for his hilariously. I mean, this guy might be the greatest troll of all time. His his little scam is called his cult is called the School of Self Awareness. And they're clearly the most, the least self-aware people of all time. <laughs> right? Who? And he put that video up like intentionally. Like it's not, it wasn't like leaked footage of or him getting absolutely think. demolished. Yeah, it's insane. He just hung Diego upside down, and like the slaps to the face, they were. They, that's one thing. But then he started fucking ripping body kicks. Um, like to Diego's liver or something. I'm like, what is going on? At first, like I'm like. All right, maybe everyone's overreacting, and then he just fucking just rips a body kick right to his ribs, uh, while Diego's just sitting there flexing, and Diego's flexing like he thinks he's about to kick him in the stomach, like he it looks like, but then he just he rips him to the back of the ribs, and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? What about the punches to the head? He's he's not blocking; he's just covering his face, like yeah, hands over the face. Probably so last time, last time they did it. Fucking Fabio probably gave him a black eye, so he's covering his face this time. 
Yeah, I. who knows what the... Yeah, I mean, at least now we're kind of seeing like fighters kind of weighing in and stuff because this guy's been around a while. He ran up on Matt Sarah, uh, yeah, Matt Sarah at uh, on Fight Island and said like, "Hey, I heard you were talking bad about me." And Matt Sarah's like, "I don't even know who you are." You think Fabia's gonna come in <laughs> inverted stunner our ass and send us in the shadow realm? Yeah, I mean, he had to be the guy who came up with the move because who else taught it to you, Diego? Like, there's video of him, like, several years ago, like, chasing fighters around an octagon with a knife. It was, like, part of his self-awareness training. I don't know. But let's get back to the main man, though, Diego, who is catching a lot of, like, ricochet fire. Like, this is, like, a basically an abusive situation. Diego had, like, what, two or three fight of the years. Um, he was the first Ultimate Fighter winner. The dude is, like, his durability was legendary. Um, obviously when you get in that many wars, you're going to lose some marbles along the way. He may have lost too many. He may have not started out with enough marbles to begin with, but, um, for him to go out like this just kind of sucks. It sucks that he's definitely in a cult type situation. And, uh, it sounds like he, he said that he had to separate himself from family members that were like expressing concerns, which is classic cult move, like separate them from their, from their close ones. So, this is kind of it's kind of dark when you get down to it, but it sucks that Diego's a longtime staple of the UFC and he basically got uh got washed out like he did. Yeah, it is, and uh, I really just want to make make my eyes announcement because uh, Diego he's been in some of my favorite fights ever in the UFC. I yeah. mean, uh, Diego what? versus uh, Gilbert Melendez is one I still go back and watch from time to time. The third round's probably one of the best rounds in UFC history, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks that he uh, had to go out. It sucks that he had to go out like this. But, uh, I mean, he's definitely someone that uh, that's not going to be forgotten in the sport, and uh, he's a legend. So. Yeah. Yeah, let's just hope he doesn't fight anywhere. Maybe he can start teaching some uh, self-awareness to people. That would at least be better than hanging upside down, getting your head and body kicked in by some guy who's never been in a combat situation in his life. <laughs> Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. I just picture him hanging upside down like a bat, getting beat up. <laughs> right. Oh, but, my uh, gosh. What were they going to prove? So Exactly. Anyhow, move on to your call-out then. Who do you got for your call-out? Yeah, so that was pretty much an Isn't He Awesome slash call-out. Oh, okay. What, my call-out was just Fabia, and Isn't He Awesome was Diego. But uh, Perfect. also, I got Kyle Dawkins on there for reasons I've already went over. Yeah. Um, got to be your own man. The brother put you know, even if you are the little brother and your brother is much bigger than you, like who lets their brother tattoo that they're your keeper on them, on them and uh, doesn't do anything about it. So, uh, Kyle, uh, I won't go too much into him cause I think I went hard on him last episode and already this episode, but Kyle Dawkins, Josh Fabia guys are getting the call out this week. Yeah. Well-deserved, especially, uh, the fav- Josh Fabio one. I was going to do that one. I was thinking that I was going to just save that one kind of for news almost because it's so, the story is so like overlapping and big and so obviously bizarre. But yeah, let's let's just say hopefully somebody does, takes it. Hopefully he oversteps his boundaries with the wrong person and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But we'll see how. I saw John Jones, John Jones commenting on it saying that uh, yeah. he's pretty upset by the whole thing and that, uh, you know, Diego's a long Long-time teammate of John, so yep. um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Fabio tries to uh, <laughs> stunner John Jones to death and uh, gets 
murdered by, uh, by John when he's defending himself. Gets spiked on his head. Or John Jones carries a lot of guns, so let's hope it doesn't go to that extreme, but who knows? You never know when – I mean, when you're dealing with guys that self-aware, usually uh, they know what they're doing. But anyways – all right, I'll move on. I'll, I'll move on to mine then. I don't think you're gonna like my first one. My shout out is uh, Canelo Alvarez. I know you're not a fan of boxing. Let's put aside the fact that he physically cannot lose because the judges won't let him, and the fact that the whole promotion is built around him, so it's basically his show. But that boxing match on Saturday night, which let's do a mini shout out first. We had Canelo Alvarez, the biggest star in boxing, one of the biggest stars in boxing history, had to lay on the couch for an extra how many minutes because the whole world was watching Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Waterson. So, little shout out to the UFC. They had to put it on hold for a little while, for a little while, so we so people could watch uh, middle middle or middle to upper of the pack, 115 pound women fight. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, sold out Cowboy Stadium pretty insane event there's just there's just it was his first real fight in a long time probably since he fought triple g which by the way those fights were scams but um just the guy's just unbeatable like the fact that you you're gonna have to knock him out to beat him and that that that's just not going to happen his chin is granite his he's an absolute monster dude he did you see the how he won the fight uh uh no i didn't watch it but i think i read did he quit did uh, what's his name quit on the stool or something? Yeah, he got his orbital smashed. He ducked into Canelo's absolute most powerful power shot he could have. He got his orbital like like broken off. It was definitely. I thought when it happened there was a chance he wasn't going to come back. It swelled shut so fast. Um, and credit to him, he finished the round. But man, he you could tell it hurt him bad. But yeah, just a total spectacle. And I don't know, Canelo is just he's just so good. Again. I, I had Canelo ahead by like one round. The judges basically gave him all the rounds because he can't lose on the scorecards. That's part of the part of boxing that absolutely sucks, especially since I think Triple G did beat Canelo in the first fight. But I, what I've said to you and like a lot of other people about boxing, when there's a good boxing match and it was a good boxing match, you definitely get like the same feeling as a great like MMA fight. It just doesn't happen that often. So when it does, it's nice. And when it's like the biggest stars and the, the pressure is the highest, it, uh, it uh it feels like a special event. So sh- that was pretty cool. Cowboy Stadium sold out was cool to see, especially since we haven't seen anything really sold out in a long, long time. But so a great spectacle there, great for boxing. I would say a sport that definitely needs it. And uh, it was a uh, it was a good fight. It was a good boxing match. Billy Joe Saunders came to fight. I thought he had won quite a few rounds. Again, the judges didn't see it that way, but they didn't come into a a, a factor. But it is what it is on that at that aspect, but anyhow, um, good for boxing again. So I'll move on to my call out. My call out is either Phil Hawes or whoever his uh, what do you call a hairstylist, a cosmetologist, maybe. This man's hair was falling out during the fight because he clearly left the bleach in for too long, or some. As a somewhat of a hair bleacher myself, I know these things. You can only lift it so many shades in one bleaching. His hair was like platinum white, which means he left it in there for a long, long time. When you do that, you run the risk of frying it so bad that it snaps off. It becomes so brittle, it snaps off. He was losing hair in the back of his head. It was just falling out during the whole Is fight. Is that what that was? Yes. 
Still not I bad enough. I thought it was a design that grew out or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> his hair was falling out. Everyone noticed it on Twitter, too. Actually, Derek Lewis had the funniest. <laughs> Our boy, Black Beast Podcast here. Derek Lewis tweeted like, how come God took my hair away and lets him keep his hair when he does stuff like this? <laughs> and then he tweeted like, he, tw- <laughs> he tweeted like two minutes into the fight, God's answering my prayers. Haw's, Phil Haw's hair is falling out. <laughs> Oh, God. So, I mean, that's too good. Yeah, I know. He obviously like the funniest dude in the in the in MMA. But anyways, whoever did that job, I absolutely botched it. Still not enough to take the uh, the magic out of being a bleach haired fighter. Should probably get some notes from Derek Brunson, Charles Oliveira, or any uh, uh actually the guy to talk to would be Figueredo because he actually used to work at a hair salon back in the day. So there's a lot of a lot of sources, or you could come to me, a little experience myself, but um, definitely went too long with the with the bleach developer mix, and that's that hair is fried. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just you that's kind of an embarrassing move on national TV to have your hair falling yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, and then you got Black Beast tweeting about it. That's not helping. He's probably got some of the most followers in MMA. So yeah, you do not want him on your case either because it, the yeah his. His jokes are about as devastating as his punches. So, if uh, <laughs> if he's on your case clowning you, you're in you're in trouble. And that was the case. So either way, though, we got the win. Bleach shared fighters don't lose. But either talk to your cosmetologist or don't do, try to do this again yourself because it honestly looked like ramen noodles just snapping off of his head. So that's my call out. Um, probably doesn't mind. He still won the fight, but yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a rough one. So Yeah. Here, I got a I got another call too. Speaking of the boxing, um, did you see the walkouts? They were absolutely ridiculous. No, and I skipped them. I hate I, I hate the walkouts. The walkouts are dude, so the, stupid. It was more than a walkout. It was a full at least Canelo's. I didn't see Billy Joe Saunders, but uh but Canelo's had like a full I, I wasn't listening, but uh mariachi band or something. Yeah, it had like a full mariachi band play of like an entire song, like five, 10 minute song with Canelo just standing awkwardly. Like he's the lead singer, obviously not singing or anything, but just standing up there and getting in the mariachi people's way. It was <laughs> the most awkward thing I've ever seen. And it was totally pointless. It's like, I think that, uh, that boxing uh, who or golden boy promotion, or I don't think golden boy promotions, whatever DAZN or whoever put this thing together, they must've saw the Jake Paul cards and, uh, saw, you know, heard that their lie that they sold 1.5 million pay-per-views and then said, oh, we need to start putting more concerts into our pay-per-views because uh, this is obviously how you sell a million pay-per-views. And uh, it's just not. It's not. It was awful. Just walk out like any normal person. Um, I think when the UFC did do like kind of a live walkout, when they had Sinead O'Connor sing uh, McGregor's walkout, they did it right. They had like Sinead O'Connor off to the side like, yeah, kind of they built a stage like in like a side section area and he actually walked out to the song, just didn't go like and act like the front man and stand there <laughs> for the entire song. Like so like if you're going to do it, do it right. UFC did it right, as always. Boxing did it wrong. But uh, yeah, it, it was ridiculous. I I absolutely despise the walkouts. They both had walkouts like this, too, by the way. It was uh, it was a co-promotion. The worst one I've seen, and I love Tyson Fury, and I think he's great and everything, but he was fighting uh, basically a tune-up fight, 
And uh, so they have the guy, his, the guy he's tune-up fighting gets like, gets like a 30-second walk to the ring. And then Tyson Fury's walkout was like 30 minutes long. It was so stupid. They carried him on a throne. He switched oh, outfits. I think I remember that. He switched outfits at least twice. And the whole time, Joe Tessitore is like, this may be the most incredible walk. He's like, there's something very special planned for you guys when Tyson Fury takes the ring tonight. And he was just going on and on and on. The, how great can a walkout really be? He started out like in a black robe. Then he switched to like an all-American outfit. Then he got carried with a throne or the throne had wheels or whatever. The whole promotion's built around him. Well, how much of a chance does this other guy really have? And then the other the other guy ended up actually cutting Tyson's eye in like the third round. He could have easily won by stoppage, but they let him fight with his his uh, his eye insides flapping all over for the for the whole twelve rounds. But anyways, it's just yeah. The I hate the walkouts. They're so stupid. And then the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury walkout, where Deontay Wilder started saying that like his costume was so heavy during his walkout that it screwed up his fight. <laughs> sounds like a personal problem though it sounds like a walkout problem maybe maybe cut back <laughs> on the walkouts but anyhow yeah i'm with you on the walkouts the calling out the walkouts yeah. is very on and point if, they're so stupid wearing, how heavy does a costume have to be in order to gas you for in a two-minute walk he said like, 40 pounds I feel like or something I could carry a significant weight he's i think he said they were 40 pounds because the batteries were so heavy because it was like all lit up he looked like something. Out, he looked like a villain from out of Power Rangers. It wasn't. But even for, even forty pounds. What you can't carry forty pounds for five minutes without being gassed before the well, fight. Like you're the most jack guy in in boxing, and you can't you can't you can't carry forty pounds out to the octagon. Well, Anthony Josh was the most jack guy in boxing, but Deontay Wilder, he had a million excuses. He started saying that that uh, his trainer betrayed him. Somebody poisoned his water. Uh, he said that Tyson Fury had like weights in his gloves. He really went off the deep end. But either way, the fact that the walkouts were even brought into it should have uh, been an, exp- uh, uh, an excuse to cut the walkouts. But maybe they're. I think the zone kind of is uh, kind of has some YouTube brained idiots involved in it. So maybe they are uh, taking notes from the Triller. So I think so. It could be. It very well could be. But either way. Uh, we'll move on, move on from our segments then. We'll we'll jump into our UFC 262 preview, Oliveira versus Chandler. Uh, this one's for the title here. We'll start off with our first fight, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. Charles Oliveira minus 130, Michael Chandler plus 110. Um, I'll actually wait. I'll let you make your pick first, and then I'll, uh, I'll say what I think. But uh, I'm very curious to see what you have to say about this one. Yeah, so I've been going back and forth on this one all day. I was trying to prepare, decide who I'd like, and I still don't know who I'm picking as I as I talk about this. But I'll give you kind of the scenario I see playing out. Um, I think for Michael Chandler to win this, he's gotta he's gotta put Charles Oliveira away early. Um, it seems like that's kind of what uh, how Michael Chandler tends to win. It seems like he gets a lot of quick finishes, even back to his Bellator days. Um, so I think, and uh, Charles Oliveira, it seems like if he, things aren't going his way quickly, that he kind of gives up at times, at least in the past. He hasn't done that recently, but it, kind of in the past, his thing was like, if things started going bad for him, he kind of just uh, kind of breaks and uh, and kind of just lets it all go. So I think if Michael Chandler is able to hurt Oliveira early, I think he could, could kind of... Uh, 
could possibly get the finish in round one or two. If that doesn't happen, if Oliveira is able to get out to a quick start and start looking good, then I think the fight's all Oliveira from there. But I think it really hinges on that first round. I think uh, I think whichever way the first round's going is almost going to decide the fight. Um, with that being said, I am going to go with my official pick as... Hmm. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Charles Oliveira, but that might have a bleach little bit chair of fighter. Uh, yeah, bleach chair fighter exactly. I, hopefully, he shows up at the bleach chair. Pending <laughs> Oliveira has bleach chair when he walks in the octagon on Saturday night. We're going Oliveira, but um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Chandler won. I think this is a really close fight. I think the odds are about fifty-fifty, and uh, I think I think those are dead on. I think this really is a fifty-fifty fight as of now. Um, there's question marks on both guys, so I could see it going either way. Uh, right now I'll, I'll give it to Oliver. He's on an absolute tear. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think he'll probably end up pulling out, but if Chandler gets, uh, gets off to a good start, I mean, I could see him finishing Oliver in round one or two, but we're going to go with Oliver. All right. Yeah. I, I am, I had the exact same thoughts as you, as far as going back and forth and not really knowing a lot of unknowns. Um, I would say too, the same thing. Oliveira kind of has the history of, of almost quitting when things don't go his way. He also used to miss weight. He seems like he's dialed in a lot more than he used to be, but even on his win streak here, his last few wins were Kevin Lee, the ghost of Tony Ferguson. Um, it's, there's so much at stake or there's so much, so many factors here with so much at stake. So yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I'd say I'm leaning towards Chandler. I got my Mizzou gear on. I'm not being a homer because I, uh, even though I got my Mizzou wrestling gear on, but uh, I, 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 I basically picked against Chandler in the first fight against Hooker. The one thing, the one thing I like about Chandler in this fight is he is a pressure guy, and he's not a guy you want to go into deep waters with because he won't stop. And he is an early pressure guy, and he is a fast starter. So. Like you said, if he gets off to a fast start and he gets in it early, which he does do, he, I mean, he's pure pressure. So I think that he, I don't think he'll start slow is basically what I'm saying. And uh, I think he has the wrestling to stop the takedowns because I think, and I think he is a sufficient grappler. So I think it's just whatever happens in the standup. And again, I think Oliveira's standup is actually underrated. But um, if Chandler can land the bombs, I think that the, those will be the, the shots that do the damage. So. Uh, I'll go against you here. I'll I'll pick Chandler, and uh, we'll just both pretty. We're pretty much both on the fence. Perfect, as the odds suggest. It's pretty much right down the middle. So, um, this is a a great matchup and a great fight. It's kind of a. I don't know if it really lost any of its luster because it's almost like Khabib gave the belt up. Poirier chose not to fight for it, but um, this is a this is a really solid matchup with a ton of unknowns. So, not exactly an easy one to get a read on. Yeah, exactly. All right, then we'll move on to our, I guess our, what was, is Tony Ferguson, Benil Darius, the co-main event here? Yeah, I think it is definitely now. Okay. Um, yeah, Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian has been rescheduled. So that fight is off of this card, even though it's still on best fight odds. I just saw today that it was rescheduled. So we'll go, we'll cover uh, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Darius. Benil Darius minus 165, Tony Ferguson plus 145. This may be the most value I've seen on Tony Ferguson 
in a long time against a guy against an opponent like Benil Dariush. But Tony hasn't exactly looked good. He looks like he might be on the downswing of his career. Benil Dariush is always dangerous, always crafty. Um, Tony just got dominated by basically by Charles's jiu-jitsu. This Benil's obviously very good at jiu-jitsu, solid takedowns. Um, again, another one that I have a tough time getting a read on. Uh, what do you think of this fight here, this specific matchup? Yeah, I think I'm going out with Daniil Barry, Dar- Benil, Daniil, Benil Dariush on this one. Um, let's see. I think uh, I think Tony Ferguson has just seen his better days, and uh, I think Benil Dariush has been uh, really finding a rhythm as of lately, um, and he looks really good. I think uh, if it goes to the ground, Tony Ferguson is great on the ground. Don't get me wrong. He has the advantage against most uh, in most fights on the ground, but I think uh, I think Daniel or <laughs> I keep saying Daniel. <laughs> I think Benil Dariush um, has uh, has a slight advantage. That being said, I don't think Benil Dariush is going to submit him by any means. But um, I think there's I don't think Tony Ferguson submitting him either. You know, mm-hmm. um, and as far as the stand up goes, we've seen that. Uh, Tony, I think this fight's too soon. I would have liked to see uh, more time in between fights for him to take a little time to recover. Uh, I think that's going to play a factor in this fight. Benil Dariush, we've seen him get rocked countless times. He's always able to recover for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Tony Fergus, he could finish anyone. But I think at this stage in his career, I think Benil Dariush is going gonna, is gonna to get the victory. Dariush has been putting it together on the feet, and he's got the ground game to... Uh, you know, to win if the fight goes there too, or at least uh, not necessarily win by submission, but just win the grappling exchanges kind of against Tony Ferguson. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a close one. This We could be seeing a split decision possibly. Um, I mean, lately it seems like almost every fight's a split decision. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some crazy I mean, split uh, decisions. Right, split decisions that I would never even imagine are going to be a split decision. But uh, yeah, so I think uh, I'm going to take Benil Dariush in this one. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to – let's put it this way. A year ago yesterday, I think, was the Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje fight. What would you have said if it was a year ago yesterday, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush? What would the odds have been? Tony Ferguson minus 350? Uh, no, I don't think it would be that much, but I think he, I think Tony Ferguson would definitely be a favorite. Um, against Benil Dariush, maybe like minus – yeah, maybe minus 200, minus 250 for Tony Ferguson if it was a year ago or so. Maybe yeah, just, more. Maybe you're right. It's hard to picture. It's just hard to picture Tony falling that fall, far that fast. And I don't know. We Maybe he's not done, but just it. Just, all indications are that maybe he's on that real steep decline. He is older, too, quite a bit. I mean, as far as a fighter, what is he, 37, something like that? So... Um, yeah, and look at Oliveira. He was able. Oliveira is not really like a great wrestler per se, but he was able to take Tony Ferguson down. Yeah, he was just slamming him pretty him. much and beat the shit out of him. So uh, Darius, I think, can implement pretty similar game plan and uh, and get the win that way as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're. Uh, I think you're onto something there. All right. Next, we got um, Caitlin Chukagian versus Viviana Rujo. Caitlin Chukagian minus one thirty-five. Viviana Rujo plus one fifteen. Hard one to gauge here. I really like Viviana Rujo's striking, especially, and she's strong. But her last fight against Roxanne Mataferi, she just flat out gassed in the third round. And I think if she was fighting anybody better, it would have been scary. And Caitlin Chukagan is quite a bit better than Roxanne. Um, so 
I I like the underdog odds on Viviana Ruggio, but I don't know if I trust her against a step up in competition because when she's on, she looks great. But that gassing out as bad as she did against a fighter like Roxanne makes me pretty uh, apprehensive to want to take a bet on her. Yeah, I agree. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the underdog money here and go with uh, Viviana Ruggio. I mean, there are some things that I like about Caitlin Chikagian, her size. She's big for the division. Um, she's going to have a reach advantage. She's taller than uh, Arujo. Um, her striking's not bad, but it's not great. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. It's not – she doesn't – she lacks pop, I would say, yeah. on her punches. Yep. Um, speed's not there. And uh, Vivian is the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. She's got the speed. She's a powerhouse. She's got the pop. Um, but – her gas tank's not great. That's the big question mark on Arujo here. Is her gas tank going to be able to hold up? I'm thinking it's going to hold up slightly better uh, than it did against uh, Roxanne Matafari because she's not going to be able to throw as many punches because Chikagin can actually defend herself and actually throw some back and whatnot. So, um, you know, when you're fighting Roxanne, it's hard to knock her out, so you're just lighting her up constantly for three rounds. You're <laughs> That's a gas. good point. Um, when you're fighting somebody where you gotta you got to pick your spots, um, you're not going to gas as easily. So that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Rujo. I think it's a, it's a close fight. I could see Chikagian using her size. If she tries to maybe get some takedowns or, uh, clinch up against the fence, that's, Chika- that's Chikagian's way to win. She could win in a fight like that. But, um, if it stays in the middle of the octagon, I really like Rujo in this fight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really close. Um, I'm going to go with Arujo. She's just kind of on, on the hot streak. and uh, But like I said, this is a close. We got a lot of close fights. It's crazy. This uh, this card, almost every fight on the card, it seems like, is is close to even odds for the most really part. Really close. Yeah, um, wow. I think there's only there's only two fights with a minus 200 or above. Like almost every fight's almost a dead even, like a pick 'em. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a pretty cool pretty cool card when you get one like that. Yeah, and uh, back to that fight. I, I do really like Viviana Rujo's skill set over Kaylin Chukagian, so that would be why I would I would like that pick as well. Just a few question marks with her gas tank, but I think you make a good point with when you're just wailing on a punching bag for two and a half rounds, you're probably going to gas out. But anyhow, uh, we'll move on to uh, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza, which we got Edson Barboza plus 105, Shane Burgos minus 125. Barboza been around for so long. We've seen a lot of different versions of him. He's a guy that feels like he could and should beat everyone, but he does occasionally find ways to lose. Um, Burgos, solid chin, solid fighter, solid stand-up. Could be – this really could be fireworks. This one could be an all-out brawl. And uh, I don't know who I favor in this one because we've seen Shane Burgos take a lot of shots. We've seen him dropped quite a few times. Um, but we've also seen Edson Barboza either lose close fights quite a bit or find ways to lose fights. So, uh, I don't know, again, another super close one. Um, I think I probably would favor Shane Burgos to outlast Edson Barboza. I'm going to go with the opposite of you here. I'm going on Edson Barboza on this one. Um, he's looked good at 145 so far. Yeah, he has. Um, he, he seems like he's adjusted really well to that division, um, he and the main the main thing I see in this fight it Burgos is really good. He Burgos don't get me wrong. Burgos has Burgos has what it takes to win this fight, but Burgos he kind of lets himself get into firefights at times yeah. and gets a little sloppy. 
And uh, Edson Barbosa, I mean, you give him a chance to put you away, and he's like the last person I would want to give that chance to. <laughs> um, I mean, he's very accurate. Um, he, go, he, he goes to the body well. Burgos, um, I think he's had some trouble with body shots in the past, but uh, at Barbosa, he just looks – he's just a guy that I wouldn't want to be in there against and not be – on my defensive game and Burgos, I mean, he, Burgos is going to get hit. It seems like he when takes Burgos a lot of does start getting hit, he, he starts taking damage. And, uh, and instead of taking a step back and regrouping, he just, uh, he goes in there for more punishment. And, uh, if you keep doing that versus and Barbosa, it's going to be a bad night for you. So, um, if Burgos has improved the, that kind of hole in his game and is able to uh, start taking a get step back instead of getting in firefights, kind of similar to how Justin Gaethje kind of refined his his fighting style, and he's still going in there and uh, inflicting tons of damage, but he's able to get himself out of harm's way when he needs to. If Burgos is able to do that, then, I mean, he's got a really good chance at winning this one. If he's not able to do that, he hasn't shown he can can do that in the past. And if he, if he hasn't changed that in his game plan, I just think... Uh, Edson Barbosa is way too dangerous uh, in there uh, to be doing that against. So uh, I'm going to go with Edson Barbosa on this one. I mean, I feel like my picks on this card, I might go over 4 or I might go 4-0. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. They're tight, man. That's the thing they are. Um, yeah, uh, and to your point about Edson Barbosa, that's that's how I've always felt about him. I, I watch his fights, and I'm like, how does this guy ever lose a fight? He has every single tool except maybe the wrestling. Um, but his kicks are so powerful. His punches are rockets and he still is just he's lost some fights that i thought he definitely should have either won or had better showings um yeah, yeah last I time we saw beat, beat dan Ige. dan Ige, yeah that was that he looked good against dan egan i thought i thought that was i don't want to use the r word if i don't have to but i thought that was a robbery i had him in the Darn. league yeah. <laughs> not that <laughs> r word robbery the one that gets used too much not the one that gets you <laughs> gets you banned for life <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll cut that out <laughs> no you could leave it in there no but, Any, but no i i really i thought that was a robbery i thought he won that fight against dan Ige, and it wasn't just because i picked him in the league and it was uh it was i thought he looked really good and uh, i think last time we saw shane burgos he got he got pretty much uh pretty much rocked by josh emmett who's very underrated fighter but um like you said the guy could, a, a guy that can get to dish out a lot of damage is going to hurt Shane Burgos. So I still like Burgos, but yeah, another close one. So we'll see. Um, last fight we're going to cover here, Andrea Levers, Antonia, Anto- Antonia Shevchenko. We got Shevchenko minus 130, Andrea Lee plus 110. For once, I don't really think that Ant- Antonia Shevchenko is getting the Shevchenko odds boost. I think she really just is a minus 130 against Andrea Lee, who literally – Speaking of someone who finds way to lose, finds ways to lose to everybody. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, we've seen, like, we've spoke about this before in previous Andrea Lee fights. Her kryptonite is just she can't take it in pressured against the cage. Um, if you if you're able to put her back against the cage, you can just wear her down. You can land elbows from there. You can uh, you can break off and and land punches with her up against the cage, and you can really you can take her down and you can beat her. Um, the problem I see in this fight really is Antonia Shevchenko. That's not really her fighting style at all. I don't really see her pressing people up against the cage like that that often and stuff. She, 
is kind of a Muay Thai fighter. She likes to fight in the middle of the octagon. She likes to land those leg kicks. She likes to she likes to stand up and and fight. Um, can she do it? Possibly. Uh, this just I don't know. This one's just really close. But then if uh, I think I'm gonna go with Andrew Lee in this one though, because uh, yeah, I don't really foresee um, Antonia. Shemchenka taking her down and putting her up against the cage and uh, I think Andrea Lee is big for this kind of big for this division and I think Shevchenko is kind of small for the division um, so I think in space and we've seen Andrea Lee she's when we've seen her fighting in the middle of the octagon and standing up she looks really good it's just uh, she can get beat by anyone like anyone literally because we've seen her get loose about I'm out of fire <laughs> and she gets put up against the cage yeah so I mean if if Shevchenko is smart and puts her up against the cage. It's going to be, uh, you know, Shevchenko should win it. But uh, Andrea Lee, I think she's uh, decently bigger and may be able to get out of those situations. So I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go with Andrea Lee. All right, then. This is probably the most picks we've had disagree or opposite picks on, which is not too surprising considering they're all so close in the odds. So it's uh, a little hard to get reads on them. Uh, you got fight. Yeah. What's I up? I got a question though. Hermanson versus Shabazian. Who are you on? Who was I on? I didn't yeah. even th- I didn't even look into it, but I think I was on. Uh, let me. Ch- I think I was without looking at the odds. I think I was probably on Hermanson. He's yeah, minus one sixty. I think I think that was maybe my favorite pick of the card. Yeah. Um, Why does that always Hermanson? happen? Our favorite picks of the cards always fall off. Right. Well, I think they said they're moving it to next week though, so we won't have yeah. to wait too long to. Uh, so to be proven right, hopefully. Yeah, and honestly, just the way Derek Brunson dominated Shabazian from wrestling to grappling exchanges to everything else, I think Hermanson probably would have done something similar. Yeah, exactly. And I think Hermanson's wrestling and uh, top control has looked more dominant than Brunson at uh, recently. So I think uh, unless uh, Edmund Shabazian, he's young, who knows? He could have made major improvements to his game. You know, I think this would be. I think when this fight does happen possibly next week, it's like a really good gauge to see if Shabazzian is going to make that leap and become the fighter that he was kind of hyped up to be previously to the Brunson fight, or if he's going to be a guy that kind of like fizzles out and is going to have trouble with wrestling for, for a long time, you know? So, um, we'll see. Yeah. And remember this was the first fight that Derek Brunson bleached his hair for. So he was in incredible shape as far as, he was first fight for Blondie Brunson, so take That's that into true. effect as well. Um, Hermanson may come out with blonde hair, though. We never know. That that would be the move, if you ask me, but we'll have to wait a little longer to find out. Um, got one fighter on here to watch. We got our boy Jacaray bouncing back from his knockout loss to uh, Kevin Holland. And he is, uh, let me get back to it. Jacare minus one ten against Andre Muniz, so Jacare another guy another. clearly on the downswing of his career. Yeah, Andre Muniz. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia. Let's see here. <laughs> Let me put him in here. I'm trying to think of the last time we saw him. It's been a while. I think it was. Sounds familiar. I just can't remember. Um, he was on. Times, he fought Fabinski on the Overeem versus Sakai card. Fabinski, yeah, that's that's the one I was thinking of. I think, okay, he beat Fabinski by armbar. Uh, he beat Antonio Arroyo. Okay, so, I mean, 
I think Andre Muniz is probably going to win this one. I mean, I don't think it's going to take much to beat Jack Ray at this point in his, in yeah, his career. He's, he's looked he's looked stiff as a board out there. Um, he his just, head is uh, too big. Stand, you know, his stand-up, his, he kind of is like a weird uh, trajectory with the stand-up. He, he came into the UFC kind of just being a big submission threat. And then his stand-up really started to, uh, you know, he really started to develop a little stand-up game here. And it's gone... Uh, for a while there but it's gone quickly downhill here um and it's back to what it started at basically i mean he just uh doesn't look good out there um when it's on the feet i mean if it gets to the ground then uh you know he's a threat on the ground versus anyone still but um yeah i think i just go with in this situation go with the uh the younger guy also this guy on his uh on sure dog he's he's finished a ton of fights by submission so it doesn't look like uh this guy's too bad at grappling himself i mean jacare he's probably no jacare jacare is one of the best there is in, in grappling in yep. mma but uh yeah i mean he's a bravo choke i don't even i'm no <laughs> jiu-jitsu expert but i've never even heard of that um, no neither have i yeah interesting fight probably one of the last we'll see of jacare especially if it doesn't go well flat out just getting old and who knows how old he really is so um, yeah, and that's not one of my official picks, by the way, because I was just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there that the, the alligator is on the card. Buried on the card. But anyhow, anything else on this card before we uh, wrap things up? Should be a pretty solid card. Again, another one with the full we have full crowd. Second, second, It'll be our second full crowd card. Makes a huge difference, if you ask me. It's just so much better viewing experience. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, yeah, no, I'm just thankful that, uh, that our boy Nate Diaz had a, a small injury and is going to be on UFC 263 in, uh, in Glendale, Arizona now. So, you know, I'll be there wearing my black t-shirt, um, War <laughs> <laughs> Diaz, but, uh, Nick Diaz army, uh, will be there. Yeah. Yeah. When does I that? I think we'll get the whole, we'll get the whole group to wear black tees. No, I'm not wearing a black tee, but I'll be Nick Diaz army, but I'm, 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 Peac- I'm peacocking to the to the most extreme levels. I'll have to put oh, something. Oh God! You're gonna have your your bleached hair and like uh, like a Brazilian. Like <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be more of a more of a Davis and Figueredo type outfit than a than a than a, than a uh, Nick and Nate Diaz uh, type of outfit. So, but I'll still be Nick Diaz Army. I'll still be still be. I mean, he's fighting. Uh, what are the odds though that Nick Nate Diaz fighting your longtime rival? Uh, uh, Leon Edwards, and now you get to see it. It almost feels like the stars aligning. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, we're in a simulation, but that's for another episode. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, before we get into that stuff, we will wrap this one up. Um, we'll be back next week to recap the pay-per-view UFC 262. Um, we'll see how we do on our picks. A little bit divided this week on picks for probably the first, most divided, probably the first time ever. So we'll see how that goes. But good luck on your bets. Good luck. A lot of close fights. So um, should be getting good value either way. But either way, we'll be back next week. And then we got another card to preview next week. So we'll see you all next week. And uh, have a good one.
making the trip from Davenport, and there is twin brother Mark working with equally aged brother Matt.